0: today on the Coaching Life Podcast. you got to understand, when you're coming out of high school, and I think this is this is what I've learned more now to looking back and examining, because now you're, as a high school coach, you see freshmen coming in, and every freshman that comes up, they, they think they're ready to play varsity. And you're like, well, what makes you think you're ready? Just that you want to? Okay, there's a big difference between wanting to and being ready. Because uh, you're talking about a 14-year-old Let's say boy, 14-year-old boy, Mm -hmm. playing 18-year-old men. That's huge. One day, a couple of guys sat down for lunch, and a conversation began. They talked about youth sports, how to be better coaches, how to be better parents, how to be better at developing young people, not only for the games they play, but for life. That's what the coaching life is, a conversation, and we welcome you. Now, here are the hosts, Chris Stewart and Pat Martin.
1: Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast. I'm Pat Martin. I'm here with my good friend, Coach Chris Stewart. I guess I'm not here with you. We're we went uh, went COVID style today, <laughs> I guess you could say. There, there are some things that that uh, COVID brought the good out in. I think remote access is one of them, Coach
2: creativity that's right we will say it that way right Learn, learning to be creative and, and being able to, to figure out a way to podcast even when we're not in the same state
1: yeah right so I'm, I'm in my um, I'm sitting up my dining room table today and and coaches are you, are you in your hotel Is I'm that in where a,
2: you're at? I am I'm in a hotel room in Muncie Indiana and it's currently snowing outside it's not actually snow little flurries I think I think it's not we're not going to get as much snow and rain as they thought it's going to be cold tonight though
1: yeah it's raining here so it's kind of cold yeah it's not my type of weather but no i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a summer guy
2: but same same we're baseball same, but
1: i'm people. happy to be here <laughs> coach we uh we we didn't record last week we've been uh we've been going every every couple weeks for last month but we've been uh i think producing good uh good episodes and I'm I'm looking forward to the episode that we're going to yeah we're going to produce today because we have a, another special guest for everyone and it's it's a it's a, a pleasure and a privilege for me to have my a buddy of mine here with me today and with us to to talk a little bit about his experiences uh, this this individual was a prolific I like using that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio High School Athletic Association running back for the Megs Marauders, our uh, our alma mater, and uh, he he walked on to Ohio high university, and uh, played twelve games as a sophomore. One uh, was was really getting um, getting his groove, you know, getting um, acclimated to Division one football. Which if you know people don't realize how big of a step that is it's mm-hmm. it's a huge step from from high school football to division one football and he played 12 games a sophomore year he was he was uh, primed and ready to to get a lot of playing time and, and have a big impact his junior year but he he suffered a, uh, a a serious knee injury in the first game of the season and uh struggled with that for for the remainder of his career really was able to uh play six games his senior year i think and actually had they played real, really good six games he, he averaged over uh, five yards of carry but uh oh yeah oh yeah the, the stat lines are good there uh but you know when, when you talk to this guy and you ask him about his playing days there's not a lot of he remembers things and he can he can tell you stories and 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 good things about when he played but he's not gonna he's not gonna cite you stat lines he's not gonna talk too much about his his accolades and i think part of that is because he really embraces the, the person that he is today mm. and that's uh, that's a preacher at the at the bradbury church of christ uh, he's a substitute school teacher at, at alexander school district does that sometimes and uh, he's actually the uh, assistant varsity boys soccer coach uh, for alexander as well he's, he's coached uh, youth and soccer are you soccer, basketball, soccer, and basketball youth teams over the last few years for his his sons and uh, daughter and uh, his nephews, and uh, all around he's just an outstanding individual. He's and he's a really good friend of mine, and I'm I'm happy to call him my friend. And the guest today, if, if no one's figured it out, is is Justin Roush. So Justin, you're you're actually sitting here on my at my dining room table with me. <laughs> That's the first guest we've had in home, Coach. So, uh, but, Justin, it's it's good to have you here on the Coaching Life Podcast. We appreciate you coming to talk to us, man. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity to come to your house, Pat. <laughs> well, you know, you know <laughs> we could probably get into some, some pretty nasty conversations here about that. But uh, Justin and I used to spend a whole lot of time together. But now that he's got his house all up and running, and everything's good with it. He never invites me out anymore, so oh, okay. he doesn't need any help. So he doesn't have me around. No, you, you became a liability.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Hey, you know, you know, Pat. You know, we've been doing this podcast for three or four, three years, I think, now almost. Yeah, almost. and it's, yeah. and it's incredible to me. Like you just read off a, 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 a ton of. Information about about Justin, our guest. And here we have these resources so close to home and we're just now getting him, like last week with yep. Sam, you know? I mean, it, it, living right there close to home. Justin right here. We we, we need to uh, be a little more creative in our uh, thinking process here and getting guests because we should have had Justin on a long time ago. We you
1: know, should have. Yeah. People, people seem to listen to the guest episodes more anyway.
2: They get sure. tired of hearing uh, us. Of course. Yeah, they want to hear these <laughs> guests more than they want to hear us. So <laughs> Hey, you mentioned something, Pat, in, in the introduction, and and, and Justin, I, I'd like if you wouldn't mind talk a little bit about your decision to walk on at Ohio University uh, to play football. And you know, were, like, were you being recruited to any other schools at the time? And um, and if you don't mind, maybe talk a little bit about some of the challenges you faced in your first year of Ohio University and how you approached them. I know we have a lot of. parents who listen to our podcast and some young people as well and the recruiting process is important to them. A lot of people are going through it as they listen to some of our episodes and I've had people tell me that they've actually searched through our episodes for conversations that we've had on recruiting and uh, making that transition, getting ready from high school to college. Um, Talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, your experience.
0: I think first of all, it was never a plan of mine hmm. to to walk on. That was never the plan. The plan was to get a scholarship. And that's that's what I worked for. You know, but I think too, in a time frame we're talking 1996 to the year 2000. You know, you didn't have YouTube. You didn't have Instagram and TikTok. You didn't have all these things. All you had was a newspaper, your local newspaper. Yeah. And uh, USA Today, you know, that paper. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, I worked really hard because I wanted to be paid
1: yeah
0: my school to be paid for yeah but I only worked as hard as my knowledge let me
1: Mm.
0: I only had access to really what my coaches provided me and um and that's not a saying anything negative about them they just the resources are so much bigger now so the thing is I kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for this recruiting process to kind of take place, because people kept saying, "Hey, Justin, you're going to you're going to go D one, you're going to be, you're going to be amazing, you're going to get a scholarship, and you're going to pick where you go." And then it's literally the spring of my senior year, I'm going to graduate, and I'm thinking, when when do these offers come? Yeah. Mm. You know, and and I'm a naive young boy from southeastern Ohio, still waiting on a phone to ring, and no one told me it wasn't. You know, now here I am, like, uh, now what? Mm-hmm. You know, so West Liberty was somebody who wanted me. Uh, Marietta College was probably the one that, that tried the hardest. And, uh, you know, I took some visits to West Liberty, uh, Marietta, Fairmont. Um, those are the three that I visited. And West Liberty wanted me. And I sat down with the coach and we talked. And, and, uh, but at the end of this, at the end of that discussion, it's like, all right, coach, like, I'm from Meigs County. How much money are you going to give me to come play? Because I need, I need, I need assistance. You know, because mm-hmm. mom and dad aren't, you know, they're not making a, a ton of money. <laughs> a big family, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had three other brothers and, and an older brother um, who just broke his leg. You know, a couple years before. So it's like, and I just remember that coach looking at me and be like, well, Justin, we want you to come here, and, and we just don't give money out. We 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 want you to come here and prove it. You know, and I'm like, well, wait a second what was the last four years about yeah you know like what what did I was that for nothing like who who was I proving something to then myself you know and um so Marietta coach, like I said, he he said all the right things. But the way that he talked to me was he says, listen, Justin, you can come to Marietta and you can start as a freshman and you can be as good as you want to be. And we've had players who still get to try out for the NFL. And, you know, because as a kid, that's still what you that's your dream. That's your hope yeah. is you want to go pro. Um, and I remember him calling me one day out of the blue and he's like, Justin, meet me. Where can we where can you meet? me? I've got something to give you. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, I have no idea what this is But I'm guessing it's maybe some money <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, So we meet in Chester At Arch and Treaters right there uh, in Chester, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We go in there and sit down and, and we talk for a little while And he's saying the same things Like Justin you're really good You've had a great career We want you to come here at Marietta And, and help our football team Football team be successful And, and uh, he's like I want to give you I want to give you this And it was a $10,000 It was $10,000 or scholarship, you know, but I'm like, well, how much is the school still, you know? And at that time he still, I think he said, I thought it was like $25,000. And I was like, listen, I I can't do that. I mean, I appreciate the offer. That's the only one I've ever received. And I thank you for that. Um, but I'm just probably at that time, I just visited, uh, OU and I said, I think I'm just gonna go walk on at OU. Mm. And then he kinda, he, he turned from pumping me up to, well, you don't want to do that because you're going to redshirt and then you're not going to play your redshirt freshman year. If you're lucky, you might get on some special teams your sophomore year. And then maybe your junior year, you might get a few reps. And if you're lucky and you, and you work hard, he goes, maybe you'll play a little bit your senior year. He said, you can come to Marietta and start right away. And the thing that I've learned now, because I can look back and do some self-examination of the player that I was, is I, was ne- I wasn't ready to play now. You know what I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. there was a lot, there was a lot about me that was not ready for for Division One football. Mentally, I thought I was. I had the confidence. I was like, "Let's go, let's go, ball!" Like, I want to play. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've got something to prove. Um, but I would would have never went to OU if Coach Mike Chancy and Carson Crow, who yeah. Coach Chancy was a GA there, and Carson Crow played there in the seventies uh, when they were winning championships. But yeah, uh, anyway yeah. they called me and said said, Justin, we want to take you to OU and sit down with the coaches. I'm like, All right. They're like, I think they're gonna give you a preferred walk on. So then it was Coach Grove. So they drove me up with those I drove up with those two and sat down and talked to Coach Grove and, and uh you know, he's like, Justin, you've you've had a good career and and da, 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 you know, the, the pitch. I, mm-hmm. I like to call it, you know, every coach has a pitch they give a player because they want you to come and, and they're going to try to tell you something that makes you feel real good, which I think players need to understand that coaches are going to try to sell you something to make you come there. And yeah. I think that's important for players to understand. It's, it's a, it's a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think players and most importantly, parents need to understand it's a business. And, uh, but anyway. Coach Grobe looked at me and said, "Justin, we want you to come here as a preferred walk-on. It's what we're going to give you." And I said, "Is there a reason why not a scholarship? You know, because then I was—I want to know why people weren't giving me one. Because everyone told me my whole life I was going to give one. Right? And uh, he's like, well, Justin, you're a—you're a, you're a small town kid from a from a small area, and, and to everyone, you look like a hero. You know, you work really hard, you've had success, and we're just not into giving.'" Scholarships to local kids because they come in with so much pressure hmm. and they end up quitting. And he gave examples of some Caudill players um, from Vent County who were super good athletes, receivers. They came there and same thing. They played a year and then they left. Uh, but the one that was the biggest was uh, the lineman out of Jackson, uh, Eric. I think his last name was Davis. And to, I mean, Coach Gropes had probably the, one of the greatest offensive linemen he's ever coached. Wow. And uh, and he was playing playing a lot, and he suffered a knee injury. Mm. Came back, played again, and suffered another one. Mm. And and called it a career. You know what I mean? So he had all the examples of of people leaving, but I don't like people to measure my measure me by somebody else's. Yeah, because I somebody else's actions because I had something to prove. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing that people are missing about me. So. So that's a little bit of story. I'm
2: sorry, I talked a long time
0: No, that's what <laughs> you know, we want. <laughs> God, there's, yeah, there's a lot a... of good stuff in there. You, you
1: said the word prove twice. And yeah. you know, I think for kids, you know, junior high kids, high school kids that have aspirations of going out and, and playing a college sport, I think to hear you say that, and you know, maybe they don't understand, but if you if you go into the OHSA record books right now, you're gonna see Justin Roush's name for mm-hmm. for season yards. You're going to see his name for uh, career yards. You know, um, you're going to see his name for uh, most yards in a game. N- n- not at the top of the list, but he's in the list. You know, he, he's. I mean, he's he's had some of the best. He had one of the best careers uh, uh, that a high school running back in Ohio's had, and some of the best games and some of the best seasons. And he was. You were a flat out beast. Yeah. At, at magazine. you know, I remember hearing people talk about him that, you know, I go, being in Parkersburg, uh, you went to the, the, we had the West Virginia versus yeah, Ohio yeah. game. People were like, man, we couldn't do anything with Justin enough But uh, you know, it's important. I think for kids to understand that there is a difference, you know, between high school and, and college sports. And you have to prepare for that because you're talking about a guy here that in everybody's eyes around, around this area, you know, couldn't be stopped at the next level, but he himself is sitting here telling you as a player, he really wasn't ready.
2: Yeah. I love that. That's the point that I, that I wrote down here as well. And when, when you said you needed that first year, that walk on year to get ready, like you, you go in mentally, you think you're ready to play college ball, but it, it is such a big difference. There is such a big difference between the college game, the college experience than the high school experience especially I think in the game of football I think football might be one of the sports where the there's such a huge difference between high school and college
0: yeah I think <clears throat> you gotta understand when you're coming out of high school and I think this is this is what I've learned more now to looking back and examining because now you're as a high school coach you see freshmen coming in and every freshman that comes up they, they think they're ready to play varsity and You're like, well, mm-hmm. what makes you think you're ready? Just that you want to? Okay, <laughs> there's a big difference between wanting to and being ready, because um, you're talking about a 14 year old, let's say boy, 14 year old boy mm-hmm. playing an 18 year old men. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. Yeah, you now you can say you're ready, and I said so we. I watched a freshman this year on the soccer team. He he played well, but he got pushed off the ball. He got he got hit. You know what I mean? And, and he jumped back up. But that's that's just showing you that. Uh, there's a gap there. Yeah. And I think when players recognize there's a gap, that means there's work to do. And when you think there's not a gap, then you settle. You're like, well, it's the coach's fault or mm. you know, the coach doesn't like me or it's my parents or whatever. We start making excuses for a lack of work ethic is really what we begin to do. And uh, and and again, coming out of high school for myself, like I love the game of football. Like I, I drank a cup of it every day. Like I just wanted to eat it up. Like I loved it and thought about it, and I just didn't have access to all the information that I needed yeah. to like to set me apart. Now some of that's probably just being a naive little boy, like I didn't know, you know what I mean? And the first time I, I, I saw a ladder drill was going into my senior year, I went to these one-a-day senior camps. Mm-hmm. So like Mac schools would invite you to that, to evaluate you. So I went to like Miami of Ohio, I went to Toledo, and we're doing these ladder drills and i'm like what is this <clears throat> like first time i've seen a ladder drill going into my senior year you know and uh so i come home cut up a garden hose and make my own ladder and start doing a ladder drill because i realized there's a benefit to this love it you know so coming out of high school I, when i graduated i was 225 pounds you know and ran like a 4:840, and i thought i'm the man like I should have got a D1 scholarship. You know, then I walk on to OU and strength-wise, I was as good as any freshman that came in there. Just as strong as some of the linemen they brought in. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, all right, strength-wise, I'm doing, doing well. But you're like 225 pounds. So you, if you fast-forward to my red shirt sophomore year, going into spring, I weighed 183. Wow. You know what I mean? I was as strong as I've ever been, as fast as I've ever been in my life. When you talk about the difference in the game, you always hear people talk about the speed of the game is different. Mm-hmm. But once you get yourself at the same level of strength and speed as everybody else, now we're back to talent. And, and, yeah. and the people who are talented begin to show what they could do because they're on the same field as everybody else now. And as a freshman, like I said, I came in thinking I should have got something, and I started looking at myself in the mirror after every weight and after every shower. You're looking at yourself in the mirror and like, gosh, Justin, you're 25 pounds too heavy. Why would a high state give you a scholarship? Why, why would Marietta give you a full ride? You don't deserve one because you haven't done the work yet. You've done great in numbers, but how many people have you seen in southeastern Ohio come through and, and break school records and, and get their name in a newspaper and do all these things like – I've seen it before. And Mm. you know, so it's like, I know now why they didn't give it to me. Mm. But then once they gave me the information, squatting, I never squatted a day in my life until I got to OU. I did hip sled. I never power cleaned a day in my life. I did bench press, pyramid bench press and hip flip, some yeah. curls and some shoulders, you That's know what right. I mean? Same, same workout Pat Martin did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I <laughs> so take this kid who who's hungry and has something to prove because I wanted to be great. Like When I realized there were records, when I watched Matt Williams break the Meg's Marauder all-time rushing record, I was there and I was in the stands and I watched people stand up and cheer for him and clap for him. They stopped the game and gave the football to his parents. I'm like, I want to be that guy. Like that's me. I want. I want that. What's what? What's his number? What's his record? That's that's what I'm going for. Mm. So I took that same motivation, and when I got to OU, and they teach you squat, they teach you cone, they teach you how to run, and and all these plyos. I'm like, oh my gosh! And I just, I ate it up,
2: soak it in, yeah.
0: Just took it and ran with it. And when everybody else was wasting their time playing video games, Nintendo or Sega, whatever was out then, like. See, I, was, I was just out there Doing this thing
2: And here's the point For a lot of these guys That Are listening Today Or have kids That are listening today The knowledge That you didn't have And the resources That you didn't have These kids Have them in high school now And yeah. and so the choice is Are you going to do it or not Are you going to take Advantage yeah. of it or not Right So like It's almost I'm, I'm almost hearing here Listen Listen folks You don't have an excuse today You don't have an excuse uh, there's there's so much more available to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, YouTube has taken away excuses, and I to me, what it really exposes, those who have a work ethic and those who don't. It does. Those who say they want it and those who really do yes. want it. And because uh, even now, like training my kids and trying to train some some other athletes, it's like there is a wealth of information. But I think now what you kind of run into is there's so much information. Yeah, it actually bogs kids down, and they're like, "Well, where do I start?" Yep. yep. So it's right. like, okay, well, just if you look at these, if you put Google proper running form, <laughs> there's going to be some basic fundamentals that are there. Uh-huh. Focus on the fundamentals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Knee and roll over and 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 what you know, shin angles and toes up and all these things. Focus on these basic fundamentals, and if you can do the fundamentals that you've never done in your life, you're going to see a difference. And as you progress, then you, you you start finding someone who can put that into a system for you. And that's yeah. that's what a strength and conditioning coach is for. You know what I mean? They 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 put it into a format that you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I have learned that there's so much information because even I can get bogged down. I'm like, geez, I just want to I just wanted to remember <laughs> that exercise. I didn't want to look at it ten thousand different ways to do the same one.
2: Yeah. And I didn't want to know exactly what which which muscle and tendon and ligament I'm working and and a bunch of names yeah. that I can't pronounce. Right. That, that's what right, I get. Right. I, that's why I call my son, Brock, who's an exercise physiologist. He he, he graduated with an exercise phys degree and is the strength trainer at Alderson Broadus. And I say, hey, listen, I, this is what I want to do. But I need a, ver- a, a dummy's version of <laughs> it. Yep, so don't yep. give me all the science behind it because he can do it too. They all, they all seem to like to throw that around. But I, I'm with you there. That's this is, this is, Keep it simple. But do it. Yeah, Just do the work. Do the work. Yeah, like yeah,
0: quit making excuses and do the work. And, I, and, like, I mean, I have kids. Like I have a son who's in eighth grade and my daughter's 10 and in fifth grade. And then, you know, I build a 40 by 70 barn. I put a full court basketball court in there and there's weights in there. There's balls in there. There's strength and medicine balls in there. There's anything you need to train yourself.
2: Pat will be if over there next to. week with his team. We shouldn't have said yeah, that.
0: Right, right. But here's the thing. Everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to be great. But if you read anything about people who are successful or people that are, are out of this world, talented, What they do is they use the time that other people waste. Mm. Yeah, yep. And that's the key because everyone has the same amount of time. Everybody Mm. does. You know what I mean? And if if you're busy, but you want to be, you want to be the leading rusher at Megs, then and and you're busy. What's keeping you busy? Yeah. Okay. Like when I was at OU, like video games were starting to come out and people were starting to do that. So guys would go, like after practice, and they would go to these rooms, you know, and they play games. You know, all day long. But then the guys who were like there because they wanted to win football games and they wanted to be go to the next level, like they would go to the training room. Yeah. Or they would go they go watch film. You know, like that's the difference in, in people who are going to be great and people who are just going to be okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. I think from an excuse perspective, you know,
1: you, you they told you you weren't good enough. Yeah. And you, I mean, you basically embrace that, and I, you know what you did was you went out they used the word prove you would word "prove," and you I, I think you accomplished that i think you you proved that you were you know you were worthy to be on that team and, and and to get playing time because you know after your freshman year you you know we talked about you played you played every game your sophomore year in some capacity so you know justin looked in the eye of of, of multiple coaches and they told him hey you're not ready yet and how many times do we see kids today, you know, get that type of uh, constructive criticism or, you know, get that type of feedback and it just allows, just crushes them or allows yeah. them to, you know, keep them away from the sport. But, yeah. you, you know, you, you got to love it enough and you got to want it enough to be able to, to know that that's what that's what you're doing. You're proving yourself, you know. And, and, and there there's never a time to stop doing that. But you know, Justin, you 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 played those twelve games as a sophomore, and then you know, I, I, I in talking to you in the past, I know going into your junior year, <clears throat> things were really looking up, and you were really excited about you know the season and about the team and about you know your your role on the team. And then you know, in that first game of your junior year, I think I think you had a, a big game going, didn't you? Wasn't that you know, thir-
0: 130 yards or something like that going yeah I, I remember going over 100 yards and uh making a wrong cut for and they didn't score a touchdown but i mean i mean i remember that <laughs> <laughs> but you you you
1: suffered uh you suffered a you know a knee injury yeah and uh, we coach and i we we posted a, a podcast an episode uh, recently about injuries and you know the things that injury bring and as far as you know other players stepping up coaches decisions when a when a player gets hurt and just you know all around the frustration and you know the heartache that injuries can bring I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experience of, of
0: you know suffering that injury that you did well i think the thing with injuries is they come when you least expect them mm-hmm. and a lot of people we just we just did this whole last whatever talk for 15 minutes about proving yourself. Well, imagine giving all of your time and all of your waking moments to prepare yourself for success on a field and then in one moment, that success is taken away from you and then there you lay. In my case, that injury, my my redshirt junior year, was on the one yard line one yard away from scoring your first collegiate touchdown with under a minute left in the game and the coach gives you the ball to reward because i just had like a 30 30 yard run and i didn't score because i didn't stretch the ball out mm. because i was worried about fumbling so i didn't stretch it next play the coach rewards me and the matter of fact in the huddle the quarterback says coach is rewarding you. you better get in i'm like all right let's go give me the rock <laughs> and uh two linebackers I tried to split them and I hit one first and the other one just kind of was on my back and it just twisted me up and felt the strongest little burn you've ever felt in your knee and I laid there and I knew something was wrong you know so I was one yard short from something I've been striving for since I was a seventh grade kid you know and uh you know so injuries they shock you when they come because you're not ready for them it's almost like death you know you you think you're ready but then there's a loss, there's a void instantly. And that's what that that injury did to me. Hmm. Um, and even then, it's like they carted me off, like they're testing your knee, you know, your stability and your ACL and your MCL, and I can just feel like something's not right. And uh, I'm standing over on the stadium wall waiting on a cart to take me back to the training room. And literally, as I'm standing there, like I felt like my leg fell hmm. and it hurt. And I was like, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. And so they took me back in the training room. I'm laying there, and um, you know, the game just ended, and, and I'm just laying there, and my dad, my dad came in and was talking to me, and then here comes the doctor. Dr. Tesner comes in and does the same stuff that he did on the field, test it, and he puts his hand on my chest. He goes, well, Justin, I'd like to tell you something, man. You had a heck of a nice game. He's like, but uh, I, want, I want, also want you to know your season's done because you got a torn ACL and MCL. Mm-hmm. And I bawled my eyes out because again, you work for something your whole entire life. Since you knew what football was and you wanted to go and all the hours and hours and the sweat and the tears and the pain and not spending time with friends and family, like just training mm-hmm. to be something and it's gone. You know, so how did it make me feel? I didn't, it hurt, hurt right. hard, you know? And here's a thing too, that, that, um From a spiritual standpoint, if you you want to talk spiritual in here.
2: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: absolutely. (laughs) A lot of times, the thing that I learned about this injury that that, that shook me is I was a big Bible reader. Read my Bible. So we talk about these two days and all these things. Back then we had two days. You had morning practice and an afternoon practice. So I would always be in that Bible. Every break, every morning I got up, I read the Bible. As soon as I come back to my room, I read that Bible time I read that Bible my roommate would be like why are you reading that Bible I was like oh don't you know Jesus you know I'm just just doing this mission work and all this stuff and and I remember after my surgery laying in my bedroom and my uh that machine they put you in to keep your leg new a CPM machine reading my Bible and I thought I thought I remember saying what did reading this Bible get me
2: mm-hmm.
0: I remember saying that and uh The thing that I learned is I was reading my Bible in hopes and thinking that it would keep me from an injury. But what I learned now, looking back over these things, is I was preparing myself to get through the injury. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. You know, but then again, it was, I didn't say that when I was 23 years old. You know what I mean? Like it took a moment to figure that out because then I was a little angry because again, I identified as a football player. My whole life, I was a football player. They would say, hey, do you know Justin Roush, the football player, you know? And that's what I identified as, and I wasn't that. I was at home in a room, crying in a CPM machine, wondering where's the football player, yeah. he's gone. You know what I mean, so I, I handled it okay, but it left a void, but what it ended up doing was motivating me to get back. You know, I had I still had something to prove. So, you know, the injury didn't kill the hunger. The hunger mm-hmm. just grew. Now I'm, now I'm really hungry. I'm starving mm-hmm. because I didn't finish what I came to do. I wanted to score a stinking touchdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, and I'm one yard short, you know. And uh, so you go back to work. You go back to therapy. You go to work and you got to outwork everybody else. So that's what I started to do.
2: Yeah, you know, you, your uh, statement about God's word preparing you for the injury and, and how sometimes we, we look to the scripture to, uh, to give us, to to either give us an answer that we need in a moment of, of need, or we look to the scripture to give us something that is going to make us feel protected from any kind of suffering out there. And the reality is, is that God ends up becoming more glorified in our lives through our suffering, and, yeah. and not only was he preparing you for that, but then everything, everything that you had become from inter, in, ingesting that scripture, uh, was, he was like, okay, now it's time to get to work, right? I, I've, yeah. I've prepared yeah. you. Now it's time to get to, to, utilize what I've given you here for the past. I tell you, I love, I absolutely love hearing you say that when you're 20, 21, however old you were in college, that, that, uh. You were coming from football practice, reading the Bible, coming from class, reading the Bible. Whether you had the right intention or not, Man, kids yep, yep. need to hear that. They need to know that, you know. And and I I've been really fortunate to be around these guys on the high university team now as as their team chaplain and and working with them. And and that's that's the reason I'm here in in Muncie, Indiana right now. Is we had a chapel service last night and I've had a chance to chat with a couple of the guys. I just asked them. I said, "Hey, did you bring your Bible with you?" And and I, I know the answer is yes because it's on everybody's phone now. They got their phone with them, correct? <laughs> right? and, and and I'm yeah. like I'm like you know. Read it. Just, 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 just jump in there and read it. Just, you know, the 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 passage that we read tonight. Go back and and chew on it a little bit more. You know, and 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 uh, I just I, people don't understand how valuable that really is. Whether you whether you have your faith in Christ or not, Pat and I've talked about that before. It's helpful regardless. And and we believe and we know because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God specifically. And so as 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 you as you internalize it, God's going to do something in you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Here's you know you talk about being team chaplain at OU. You know I remember I remember the share times and believe it or not that the share time of my red shirt junior year before our first game it actually was before the game. So oh cool. We had our team meal. Mm-hmm. We do team meal and then we went to share time. And that day, uh, Coach Everett Sands was the running back coach, and he got, he graduated from the Citadel. So one of his uh, buddies that he played with at the Citadel, who was a lieutenant and served, I believe it was in Desert Storm. He led the share time that day. Mm. And it was, I I wish it was recorded. Mm. Uh, But he just started talking about his book and the things that he witnessed while in war, talking about how God's hand was, was there. And protecting people when he talked about like he's just given these stories about a guy who got shot in his helmet and instead of the bullet going through it, it like went in one side and went around and shot out the other side of the helmet. Like guys driving over IEDs and everything blowing up except the guy's seat he's sitting in. You know, like just crazy stories like that. And you're just, guys were crying, coaches were crying, and and (laughs) I'm ready to run through the wall. Like Uh it was that good. And I remember getting ready to leave that day from that share time. I went up and I shook his hand. I was like, that was amazing what you just shared. Sorry you had to see it, but thank you for sharing. And I began to walk away and I stopped. And I went back to him. I said, do you mind saying a prayer for me before this game? He's like, absolutely. He said a prayer with me. And literally the fourth quarter, one minute left. Now I know why I needed that prayer. Because mm-hmm. I was preparing myself for my own war. Yep. You know, a, a battle for myself. And, and I reflect on it. I think about that moment probably every day of my life. Awesome. Like God knew what was coming in my life. I went to a share time and a guy gave the most gut-wrenching, motivational, uplifting speech I've ever heard. And I went out and next thing you know, I'm trying to live everything he just said. Yeah. So pretty neat story. Had to share it. Thanks. Stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think you know a lot of people would, you know,
1: talking about your your journey into D one football and how that was always a dream of yours, and you know, working your way up to that, improving yourself, and you know, becoming a, 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 an active member, an impact member of the team, and then you know, getting getting that first game in and, and having that knee injury. I think people would call that tragic, but I know. You know, we've already talked about, uh, at least glimpsed into some of the positives that you've gleaned from it. But I was wondering if you could just talk about a little bit what, if if any, was there anything positive that came out of that
0: injury for you? Yeah. Well, make sure I don't forget to answer that question because I think when I think about tragic and injuries are tragic, but sometimes what I think is more tragic is people who have tons of skill and they waste it. Yeah. they come D1 like I came in with guys who are D1 and mm-hmm. I'm telling you I don't remember them getting any stronger or any faster Yeah, they wasted their potential and here's a guy like me who, who was fed something for the first time and I gobbled it up and, and went after it and, and worked every moment I had I remember even when I was logging helped a logger in the summertime like I wouldn't ride into the woods like I ran into the woods and I ran out like I was training all the time before he came and got me in his work truck at 6am like I already ran two miles like I'm like I am not wasting any moment. So the injury is tragic because of everything I've have done, and it's it is stripped away in a moment. You know what I mean. So when you think, well, geez, just geez, Justin, that just that just kills you. Well, you can look at it as the injury kills kills you, or you can look at people who come and do nothing. It is just as deadly. But the positive that came out of my injury. Uh, I met my wife.
2: <laughs> Amen. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. How, yeah. how did you meet her? Well, oh, at that time she was the PT aide. So after two weeks of uh staying at home in that CPN machine, I finally came back and began therapy and the first day she came in as the aide and uh, introduced herself and and uh, we just chit chatted and she watched me through some pretty tough times because you know, recovery from my injury wasn't the best. It's like if it wasn't it wasn't just the injury that was tragic. It's like the rehab wasn't good either. Like I had scar, tush, scar tissue that built up, so I couldn't get my flexion back. And after a month of not getting it back, they're like, we have to do ballistic stretching. I'm like, what is that? And they're like, that's where we got to push your knee below parallel and, and bust up the scar tissue. I'm like, oh, my land. you serious? So they had to do that twice, you know. And, uh, you know, but I think I learned a lot about myself you know in the injury so not only did I meet my wife who after we're married 17 years next month I'm, I'm pretty fortunate for mm-hmm. that you know so glory to God for that you yeah. know th- those are things you don't see you just see season ending injury that's all you hear and that's all you think about and then if you go in there I could have ignored you know the relationship that was there and, and just did self-pity forever and I didn't you know I tried to still find a good and at that time for reading my Bible I didn't know I needed to glorify God somehow and uh, so I found ways to do it And, uh, but I learned a lot about myself and what you can handle, you know what I mean? So people come to me and start talking about, matter of fact, you know, a kid I trained all summer long, you know, tore his knee after the scrimmage, I think, in football this year, you know what I mean? So now I have, I can take my story, my struggle, and I can share it with him. Like, hey, listen, this isn't the end of the world. You know, you can make it to the end of the world if you want, or you can be like, all right, I've got work to do. And you can come back better than you were. And uh, so I learned a lot about myself and and what I have the ability to handle and what I can handle and how to plan to get out of a hole, you know, and, and come out on top and, and be better than I was. And, uh, you know, so that's that's some of the stuff that I learned about myself through that injury, you know. And and even today, you know, you still every, – every trial, every injury, every ache and pain that you have at 41 years old that you remember back – probably cause when you're playing your sport that you loved um you know you're still learning stuff about yourself so i think continuing to evolve as a human being and and learn justin can you handle things that as an adult the same way you handled at 23 years old Mm. you know and uh and and just just continuing to grow as an individual you know that's that's what that tough time helped me learn that's awesome
1: you were a you were a young guy you weren't you weren't praying for God to send you a good woman, were you?
0: No, no, I was farthest thing from my mind. Uh, farthest thing from my mind. I was going
1: to say, you might you gave you your answer there.
2: It, yeah. yeah, like <laughs> yeah. the Book of Proverbs actually tells us that. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I think it says like the, the the man who finds a a wife has found. Um, a good thing. It's almost like you're yeah, just walking down the road and you look down like, oh, there's a dollar bill on the on the sidewalk. There we go. It's like I, I just found a life. <laughs> the, you know, we have a hard time defining life moving forward. Like, I, like if, if as you're going through that that circumstance, it's hard to see what God is doing in it. But man, looking back now, you, you're years beyond it. You know, 17, yeah. 18 years beyond it. You look back now and it's like, man. I, my favorite, my favorite the, uh, philosopher who's also a theologian is Soren Kierkegaard, and he said we'd live life forward and define it backwards, basically the, my American paraphrase. But, but I, I love that because there have been so many times in my life, too, where it's like, Lord, what are you doing right now? What's going on? And then a few years later, you look backwards, and you're like, oh, I see what you just did there. I see how the puzzle came to be, and, and uh, you know, one of the greatest blessings you will ever receive is a wife. And yeah. you got her because of your injury. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, the thing is, too, and, and talking to her, you know, because she, she did not know me. She just saw another patient come into a room who's down on his luck, mm-hmm. you know. And I always say that's probably what you're doing. You're just praying on guys down on their luck. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, after we dated and we got married, she would talk to me and just be like, I learned a lot about you watching you deal with your pain. Yeah, wow. and I thought, wow, I never thought, I never you even thought of us that. You know what I mean? Like, I never realized people were watching me in my recovery and how I was handling it. And she says, I learned how strong you were mm-hmm. by the way that you were handling your pain and your adversity because you did. Like, she watched me leave every day, like, all right, my flexion's there. Next day I come back, it's 10 degrees off. We're like, what in the world is going on? Mm-hmm. You know, she was in the room the day they did the, the uh, ballistic stretch the second time. She was actually holding me down because I was like, "This this kind of hurts." So you might want to hold me down, and uh, and I screamed. and I screamed. I had a towel in my mouth. I spit it out and screamed because it's painful. Mm. And she was there that day, and she's like, "I'll never forget it." Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was interesting. And I look back, you know, and it, it in a way it's fun to look back on. You know, in the moment, living it, I, it was difficult. Yeah. But look back now. I'm like, man, what all these stories I can tell my kids. You yep. know, I'm not thinking like that at 23, and now I can. Yeah. And I think if we're talking about athletes, and if we're going to talk to your parents that that listen and to the coaches that listen to me, some of the people who become the greatest, they have the ability to stop what they're doing and reflect on where they're at, where they've been, and what they need to do to move forward. Hmm. And if people can do that, they'll see the weaknesses that they have. As an athlete, you'll, you'll see the weaknesses in your game. You know what, I'm not strong enough. Or I, I run a little flat-footed, so what can I do to fix that? You know what I mean? I, I run too uprightly. What, what, what can I do to fix that? Like examine, self-reflect, see your problems, because you're not perfect. There is not an athlete we have that's perfect. Discover your weaknesses and fix them. You're already strong in some areas. The areas that need fixed are your weak areas. Fix those. Yeah. And as a human being, and as a as an individual, like it's the same thing. Hmm. Fix the areas you're not
2: good at. You're speaking as a coach right now. So, I mean, yeah, that, you're yeah. coaching us right now. That, that, so let's, let's 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 sort of change gears here because that's where you're at right now. That's what life has brought you into to, to being a you're a teacher, you're a pastor, you're a coach, you're a dad, you're a dad coach. And you know, one of the one of the many conversations that Pat and I have had. On this podcast has been about coaching your own kids and and um, talking to you know to to, to people because a lot of people do. If we didn't have dad coaches, there wouldn't be very many coaches in the world. Let's just be honest. Yeah, I mean, we need yeah them. You're right. Yeah, and so you know what what are some things that you might you know some advice that you might give to people who coach their own children and you know, maybe what are some of the challenges that you've had in coaching youth sports um, as a junior high and now high school soccer coach um and then uh, pat mentioned a few other sports there as well that you've been involved with yeah. you made a transition from football to soccer too that, that's quite a commendable yeah, thing to, sure did, uh, sure did. to talk about i've yeah. always
0: watched i've always watched the game of soccer even when i was in high school like i knew nothing but i could sit and watch it yeah you know, I, I do have some adhd so <laughs> i think it's the constant movement yeah. of that ball yeah. that just it glued me to it and uh, so i've always watched it and then you know now i just my kids don't have really the build for football and my son has no interest no interest at all in being on the bottom of the dog pile, he says. Um <laughs> he'd be a great receiver. Yeah, yeah. I said, Well
1: that's what he I says. I like, well, I, well don't get caught. You know, Listen, happen. I yeah.
2: I think that's a commendable point in and of itself that you didn't push him somewhere that he didn't want to go. That he yeah. that he's playing a sport yes. that you didn't play and and yeah. you're not only supporting it, you're coaching him, you know, that uh, parents yeah. need to hear that as well.
0: Well I think as a, as a as a as a coach slash parent looking at a player like I look at my I I'm a father to my son but I'm also a coach to a player mm-hmm. and when I realize my son isn't where he needs to be or my player isn't where he needs to be as an athlete I have to be okay in coaching him and telling him hey you're not perfect and if you don't work harder in these areas I you need to understand there's someone else who's better than you. And I will not play you over somebody else just because you're my son. And I, so to that question, this is something I've done, and I spent a lot of nights laying in my bed thinking about this, is why do I coach my child? Mm. One reason is because nobody else will. Right, nobody else will coach the team. So I have to. Right, and that happens a lot. Yep. Yeah. But the other one is a lot of people will coach because they can protect their child. Mm. Mm. And I've watched a lot of guys and girls, or ladies, coach their children to make sure they get to play. Mm. And to me, that's detrimental, first of all, to, to your child, but also to the team. Because that means you're letting your child play more than somebody else. Who's better? Yeah. And that's just not gonna work. And and kids kids are smart. Yeah. I mean at ten years old, nine years old, eight years old, they know if they're better than someone. They can sense it. You know, they, they evaluate themselves. My son is five years old and, and the things that he can say and think and, and the things that he's putting together is just blowing my mind. <laughs> he's a dandy. You know what I mean? So so to the parent who's coaching their child ask the question why are you doing it and if it's to protect them i want you to know you're probably hurting them more than helping them you know you might be standing in their way
1: yeah that's worst case scenario we've talked about that a lot of yeah. you know one of the biggest things you take away from sports is that struggle yeah you know that ability yeah. the opportunity to yeah. prove yourself or to earn something yeah. if we take that away as parents we're stealing we're stealing something from them absolutely that's that you don't want to do that as a parent or as a human being still something from a kid. So yeah, that's, that's there's, there's,
0: there's more to learn from, from losing. You know, there's more to learn from the struggles. And if you take away all those things, what are we learning? What are we learning to water, water down the sport? You know what I mean? Like it, it just does not work. And, uh, but also to those, to those parents who, who do get thrown into the fire, because every year I get the email, like when they have youth soccer, you know, it's like, we need three coaches. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but here here again, if you're going to be a coach, just don't come in there and, and wing it. Yeah. Try to be a good one. Yeah. Sure. If you're going to ask your players to, to yeah. admit, you yeah. commit. If hurts. you're going to yell something, know what you're going to yell. Matter of fact, I think that was one of your podcasts a few, like, phrases that you guys use just to use. Like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're going to yell something, know why you're yelling it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you only know five points, then you drive home those five points. Do not go above and beyond what you do not know because you're just gonna make a kid learn something again. Focus on the fundamentals of what you do know. So, But it is a struggle because the biggest thing I I, I think you see too, when you are a parent coaching your child who is a player, parents will always think, you're out to make sure that your kid gets the sure, best that's treatment. the default that's yep. the default yeah and um and i don't think there's any way to avoid that mm-hmm. um because no matter what your kid could be a bench runner, you know and they're gonna be like well you don't talk to your kid like somebody else like the other ones you know it's like okay you, okay, if you if you're looking for favoritism, you'll find it. Yeah. Okay, just just look. You'll you'll find whatever you're looking for. Yeah. See, that's why I always openly berate and belittle my son.
1: <laughs> things, I,
2: <laughs> I, you could just cut right through it and say, "Folks, I just tell you right now, I do love my son more than I love your kids." <laughs> so, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, there's a special love there. So, yeah, that's it's going to be impossible for that to, right. to to be any different. So, I'm going to do my best yeah. to be to be completely fair and treat everybody the same. But yeah, there, there's there's the elephant in the room is he's my son. That's my daughter. Yeah. I'm coaching him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I,
0: I do think too, too something that I've again through self reflection and, and examining, like I I try to sit back and examine myself throughout the season, at the end of every season, in the preseason, like what. What is it you're looking for? Why are you looking for that? What are you expecting and why are you expecting that out of your players? And and I think a lot of times as as coaches, we we expect certain things to happen and and, and to go down and and, and parents always think their child is better than they are. Yep. Yep. Parents always think their child is number one. All right, I I I know some people and and coach with some people who, who always make comments like their like their child is the solution, and I'm like, if that's what you think, then I, I probably am going to have a hard time changing your mind. Yeah, because you're not watching the game and learning by what you're seeing. You've already got a predetermined notion. You my my kids the best. My kids the solution. If if they've got a leading in school, we're going to put my kid on them because he's he's the answer. And I've watched I've watched players be moved all over the field because a parent coach thought their kid was the solution Mm. and you just can't do that. So you have to be able to take a step back and be like "Is little is Jasper as good as I think he is. And if you say no, can you say why? he's slow, or he's not fast, or he he doesn't pay attention in practice, you know, or you'd rather pick grass, you know, and and all those things, like, so if a kid can't do the things you're asking them to do, then whatever they can do, focus on that, and be like, can you bring that every day? I think that's
1: such a real statement there, because, you know, as parents, we're naturally and in practice we put our kids number one in our lives yeah they are the most important yeah, thing in our lives so yeah. you know when we're trying to serve in this role as a coach or just as a parent of you know of a kid that's on a team that's a challenge that we face mm-hmm. you know to be our best we have to look at that um uh, subjectively mm-hmm. and and be able to say okay this is really where we're at even though i love my kid you know, I got to look beyond that to evaluate their talent. I think that's that's great stuff, Coach. Let me ask you something. You, you, you having a lot of fun coaching?
0: Yeah,
1: sure. It's yeah. Fun.
0: Yeah, it's enjoyable.
1: I got a tough question for you. <laughs> if I told you you could only do one, and you had to pick, would it be never have never being able to play, but coaching, or would it be? Being able to play, but not coaching.
0: Well, a 41-year-old Justin knows how to dance (laughs) with that. I think when you're 20 years old, 21, 22, or even junior high and high school athletes, you're trying to impress your coach. That's your aim. I need to impress my coach. And that's usually one if you're on a football team five people. You know, but as a coach, what I've learned now is I have an influence over twenty four. Yeah. And I can and I can impact twenty four. And and now at forty one years old, I, I want I want people to I'm not really if you if you do the little things right and you're technically sound and and, and, and learning the game that you're playing you're probably gonna be successful some way, shape, or form. But more importantly than, than your winnings is I know that sports come to an end now. Like I know it's gonna end. So I need you to be successful in life. Because something that I struggle with is when football came to an end, I said I was ready. and I literally spent the next decade of my life trying to figure out who I was because I identified as a football player. Mm. I was lost, I was a lost soul for 10 years. Didn't know who I was. Good man. Yeah, I was married. And I, you know, then we had a child. But I'm just like, am I a am I a contractor? Am I a preacher? Or, you know, like, who am I? What am I? Like, I didn't know. Because I just spent 14 years being a football player every day of my life. Basically your whole life? My whole life. Your college and, yeah, and, like, I literally just graduated. And I, they gave me a pen and said, hey, thanks for five years of football. I know you. And, you know, we'll, we'll send you an envelope and maybe you'll be a donor. You know, like, I <laughs> That's about <laughs> how it went down and and that was hard. And so I wake up in the morning, you know, to go to work. i am be like, Well, I well, I used to get up and go lift weights, you know. And, you know, then you come home, you're like, Well, it's three thirty, I used to go to practice and now I I guess I'll make dinner, you know, like that was a struggle. Yeah. Trying to figure out. So now at forty one years old, I would much prefer be a coach because I want to set people up. And prepare them for the battles and the struggles that are going to come after their sport has ended. And mm-hmm. the impact that I can have as a coach in helping kids get through that phase. Because it's coming. All three of us know that. Yeah. Like you know there's going to be a sickness that comes on somebody in your family. Like how are you going to handle that? Or a sudden loss. Like those things derail people's lives other one loss in a season. You know, like it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'd rather coach. I'd rather coach at this point because I can. I can help more people.
2: There just isn't anything like coaching. There, it's mm-hmm. the greatest. It's the greatest thing in the world, you know. And, and I, we've said it before. We're, you, we Coaching is a huge profession. Not only are you coaching a sport, you're coaching your family, you're coaching your church. You're. I mean, you, you take the principles of what a coach is, and 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 you you can live that way literally every day of your life. The boy, I would love to go back and play one more season, knowing what I know as a coach. <laughs> All right? right, right? I mean, just one more time, just one more time. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. more go, one more yeah. go. Yeah.
0: Well, I will say this too, as a coach, because I've been training some athletes, you know, from the barn and uh, and helping them. Um. You you know you're you're going you're on the right track. Let's say that you know you're on the right track as a coach and as a person when you're offering up something that you know. And now your people are sending you videos of them grabbing the rim for the first time, yeah. right? Yeah. Somebody messaged you their time, and they just ran their fastest one hundred meters of their life. And you're like, they're involving me in their success. Long after sports are done, they're going to send me a picture of their child. Yeah, they're going to send me a picture, you know, of, of a graduation from college. Like those things are what I save in my phone. Yeah. Because those, you know, I like records and all those things that were that we get on banners. Which I've talked to Pat about banners and records. Like they were great. They're what they're what I strove strive for. Um, But now I I can hardly remember them. And you know, I didn't make it into anybody's hall of fame. You know, all those things are in a tote at my house right now. Hmm. one day I'll display them. But you know, I live a a meaningful and happy life. That that's. That's what matters. Enjoy sports for what they are. And uh Excellent. Yeah, great stuff. Well
2: Pat, we got to check out this uh it actually has a name, it sounds like the Barn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Barn. It's it's a real deal. Um it's just a it's, you know what though? And Pat and I have talked about this because we know we go to the same church. <laughs> There's a lot to be said about just giving kids a place kids a place to go sure. and, and be kids. Sure. And what I've learned is if I can open that barn door and throw a ball in there, they'll first start playing what the ball's intended for if it's basketball. Then it becomes ball tag, you know, and all those things are important in, in making an athlete.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Free play. I mean, Unstructured free play. No, no. Yeah. I mean, we – we stand in the way of some kids becoming better athletes because we think we know their weaknesses better than than what we see on the field. It's just like, let's let them go out there and play and run around and play. I mean, if you watch kids play tag, first of all, it exposes bad running for them most of the time. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like you'll see right away. Yes. Agile they are. Yeah. But you see the stop and the go. And like my son Jasper just broke his big toe, you know, uh, eight weeks ago you know and you learn like the amount of force that goes through your big toe
2: Mm. oh yeah
0: yeah absolutely right you know it's like wow what a learning thing and i I just i just learned that you know i'm 41 years old and my son who's who's uh just turned 14 just had an injury and i learned from it you know and now he's kind of now he's testing it which is the thing about injuries like there's a test phase you come back from and like am i am i gonna be okay am i gonna get through this you just gotta go out there and go and and off he goes
2: yeah,
0: he can go too. Yeah, good stuff. Well, you guys do a good job on this on this podcast, and I, and I appreciate the information that you get out.
2: I tell you what, Justin, this has been a phenomenal episode. It really has. I mean, I yeah it has. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if you don't mind, that we Pat and I have a question that we ask every guest that comes on to our podcast. And we always conclude. Okay. We always conclude with this question, and that is: What is one of your favorite memories from playing youth sports? Yourself? Uh, <clears throat> Any
0: sport? I'll, I'll, th- I'll tell you what it is, but I will also tell you what it's not. <clears throat> Interesting. It's. Uh,
1: it wasn't all the trophies I won. Yeah. Because I watched, I watched
0: all those trophies that we won fall to the floor when the shelf broke. Because you know I got four brothers and they just kept piling up, and one day they all fell to the floor, and we scooped them up and threw them in the trash. Yeah, we don't. You know, so that's that's <clears throat> that's not what is what it was. But I'll tell you what it was. Um, it was it was spending time with my family. My parents driving me everywhere. Like, and my parents were special. They were good. My my dad and mom never ever ever yelled at me for not playing well my 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 mom and dad never asked me did you work did you work on your sport today never they just gave me anything i needed balls bats threw them in the yard and said here you go but those those car rides and those coolers that were full of gatorades and Back then, Mountain Dews and Pepsi's, you know, after games. <laughs> you guys did know what I'm talking about. I mean, so. that's, a, uh, that's what. That's I the Meg's
2: right County Energy Energy Drink, right there, Mountain <laughs> Dew.
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just spending time with them. Like, and oftentimes it was just it was my brothers and car riding, car carpools with family and friends. Like, man, it was just. You know what I loved about football was my that same group of people that carted me everywhere for youth sports, tailgated in every game that I went to. Whether I was playing in Florida or Connecticut, they drove, and I'd come out, and there they'd be. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm very faithful to, to, um, being thankful for the the family that I have because they supported me, and and uh, that same dad that's now a grandpa is tailgating at, at youth sport sporting events. You know, and so that was those are my favorite memories of sports in general. Is Spending time with those people who supported me—that's
1: good stuff. Kenny and Lisa Rouse could write a book because <laughs> something like done, it. I think, for the last thirty years, has been travel for for sports activity. Yeah.
2: Well, and it sounds like they've done it—they've done it right, also. Yes, I mean that's extremely yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, commendable yeah. for them to to, to uh, not because I know how tempting it is as parents to want to coach coach in the car and oh yeah and uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, we, we, we love to coaching cars, and but what I've learned is uh, I, I doubt we're really doing any good. We're just oh. irritating our kids, and if we want them to listen to us, we probably don't want to be making them mad, you know, because if they just lost, last thing they want to hear for 25 minutes or an hour is why they lost, mm-hmm. you know, so they know.
2: They know. Absolutely. We don't give them enough credit. Like you said earlier, they're smarter than we think they are. You yep, put yep. you put those five-year-olds on the playground out there and let them play tag like you just said, they're going to tell you who the most athletic kid is. They may not put Absolutely. it in those words, but they'll say, that's the best. Yeah. He's the best. They'll know. Yeah. They'll yeah. know.
0: And, and here's the thing, though, to that, Chris. You'll see who the best is, but you'll also see the kid who's trying the hardest. Yeah. yeah that's a good, point. Yeah, good yeah. point. And the kid that's most talented it will need other players on his team that have a lot of heart. mmm yeah. that they're on you need both of those in southeastern Ohio to have a successful team wow wow that's good stuff yes
2: yeah yes alright I know who I'm gonna have come out and talk to my team this spring <laughs> coach Rouse <laughs> we'll get you on the schedule
1: Wait, um, he only comes talks to Meg's and Alexander teams.
0: listen I'll talk to I'll talk to anybody who listens you know what I mean and, and uh, I've got a story to tell and uh I've, I've been, in, I've been in, in valleys and I've been on mountaintops and I've, I've learned that both of them made me who I am. And, yeah. uh, but there's a transition you got to make from the valley to the top. And then when you're at the top, you got to remember how you got there. So. Stuff. Really appreciate you coming on today, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you guys finally got me on after years.
2: That's right. I've been
0: been
1: begging for. I've been for years. He's just been. He's been a bit too busy
2: for us. But I tell you what. Next time I'm out of town on the weekend, I'm going to call you, Justin, instead of Pat, because he never comes and preaches for me. He won't fill in (laughs) when I'm when I'm on vacation. He always tells me no. He always makes some excuse like he's doing children's church, or he throws you under the bus. He's like Justin's got me working at the church too much. I can't come and help you you out. There you
0: go. There (laughs) you go. Well, I appreciate again what you guys are doing, man. I appreciate you having me on. and we appreciate you doing it. It's been,
2: buddy. been good. Yeah. So.